Thank you for tuning in to Talking Bay 94, the Star Wars podcast devoted to interviews with the cast, crew, and creators of a galaxy far, far away. I'm your host, Brandon Winerdy, and today I'm talking to Troy Denning, author of so many classic Star Wars novels, including Star by Star, Tatooine Ghost, The Dark Nest Trilogy, and so, so many more. From the New Jedi Order Bible to the deaths of Anakin Solo and Darth Cadus, we take a trip to the expanded universe for some behind-the-scenes stories. This is Talking Bay 94, Episode 43, Troy Denning. Today we're joined by one of the legends of now, the expanded universe, uh, Mr. Troy Denning, who not only wrote incredible works like Star by Star, but also delivered some incredible West End gaming, alien species, and guidebooks through the New Jedi Order and beyond. Uh, Mr. Denning, thank you so much for, for joining today. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Well, before we even dive into Star Wars, I would love to talk about what inspired you to become a writer, become an author. What was that initial impetus for you? Boy, I don't know. I guess I was a reader from a young age, fell in love with Tolkien and Asimov and Heinlein and uh, would read their stuff. And I guess it inspired me to fire up my own imagination. So I started to write my own short stories. I don't know, probably when I was 13 or 14. And I started to send them off to like Analog Magazine and Amazing Magazine when I was 17 or so. Never got anything but rejection slips at that age, of course. But <laughs> but Ben Bova did sign one and put a nice note on one. Yeah, so. there you go. <laughs> yeah. So I figured I must be I must be succeeding. <laughs> so I decided to go to to go to college and study creative writing. And then, what was the first published works? What was your first pieces of success? What got you on that path? Oh, my first published work was a short story in Dragon Magazine. I think, boy, I hope I can remember back this far, called Dunkel's A, which mm-hmm. was Dark Sea. And it was based on a painting that a friend of mine, Jim Holloway, had made, which uh, was kind of the precursor to the Spelljammer uh, art, you know, where you have all the sea ships flying through space. He had done a painting for that. This is well before Spelljammer came into existence. He had done a painting for that showing a, a pirate, and I kind of wrote a story about it, and then he did a painting um, based on the story mm-hmm. um, in a similar vein. And I think that the editor bought it mostly for the painting because the story <laughs> really wasn't very good. <laughs> um, that was my first published fiction, I think. Mm-hmm. I'd published a few articles and things much earlier. I'd, I'd kind of got into newspapers when I was 15, started, I was actually selling ads for the local newspaper. <laughs> and once in a while, they'd let me write a story, a news story, you know, a little article. I wasn't wasn't really a very good journalist, uh, just, you know, too young and inexperienced to know what you really needed to ask and dig, dig for. You were mentioning some of your RPG work and, and things like that also then led to your initial work on the, the Star Wars franchise. Um, How did you first get involved with, with Star Wars then? I went to college with a guy named Curtis Smith, who went to work for West End Games after he had worked with me at TSR. Mm-hmm. And he became—I can't remember what his title was. He was basically the senior, the senior guy in charge of buying game designs and editing and all that stuff. 
he knew that I loved Star Wars um, from when we were kids. We He was one of the guys I learned to play D&D with <laughs> in college. And so he knew I loved Star Wars, and when they got the license, he asked me if I wanted to write some um, material for him. Right. And I think the first thing that I wrote for him was Aliens, mm-hmm. um, the, the Galaxy, Galaxy Guide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, was it three or four? I can't remember. I think it's four. Yeah, four. You know, and that was, that was just a blast, of course. It was for uh, a Star Wars fan to, to sit down and, you know, go over the, the cantina scene over <laughs> and over again and, and write descriptions for all of the, the yeah. characters that were shown in it. And, you know, this is so old, so long ago, that private in-home VHSs and things like that didn't really exist for for movies. Mm-hmm. So what I had was something that they had gotten a hold of from, I think probably a, their source out at Lucasfilm, um, which was a VHS that had been recorded mm-hmm. and then re-recorded and then re-recorded. So it was like third or fourth generation. <laughs> By the time I got it, you couldn't even recognize the, <laughs> the characters <probably laughs> on the on the screen. It was mostly going from memory. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, that's that was the guy with the with the tusks sitting over there, <laughs> and he'd see, see a blur on the screen. Well, quite a bit different in those early days than, than things are now. When it all just you know somebody clicks a button and it comes to you, mm-hmm. clean and crisp over the internet. Yeah, that initial Galaxy Guide really set uh, a lot of alien races up to then be used uh, in future works and stuff. So really, the legacy of even that one West End game you know module is is still kind of being felt today and how they're writing these books which is crazy yeah yeah it was it was i remember when i picked up tim zahn's book mm-hmm. and saw that he was using some of the creatures that i had put into galaxy guide 4 yeah. in his book i was i was <laughs> thrilled of course that was long before i yeah i even thought about writing novels for star wars but but i was just thrilled oh man look at this it's part of the official story it wasn't called the expanded universe right. thing, of course it was just the star wars story definitely yeah, that's that's yeah. so crazy. It's kind of funny is that um, I didn't want all of the aliens to have the same flavor. Mm-hmm. So I think I only wrote about two-thirds of them myself. And my wife, Andrea Hayday, wrote some of them. She wrote up the the huts. <laughs> and um, a friend named Stephen, Stephen D. Sullivan wrote up some others, too. So it was nice that, that we got a little bit of different flavor from from the you know different people's imaginations well then after the west end games you also did some choose your own adventure and and little modules like that how did then your involvement with the new jedi order happen almost you know 10 15 years after that i started writing for the forgotten realms for tsr Mm -hmm. i had left the company and had gone off and we had started our own game company called Paysetter, Mm -hmm. and that was kind of failing and then about the time that that was over and that pace setter was over. They were doing the conversion from first edition to second edition, mm-hmm. and I wanted to tell that story in the Avatar trilogy. So I wrote. You know, the editor knew that I had an interest in writing fiction, so she um, contacted me and asked me if I wanted to audition for it. Mm-hmm. And basically, that was write a chapter and an outline. Mm-hmm. And I guess there were about twenty of us that auditioned, and they picked three people to write the series under the name Richard Allinson, all in one. <laughs> so <laughs> so that was kind of how I got my first published right. novel. Mm-hmm. And it was a it was a New York Times bestseller because everything T S R did in those days was, you know, selling a bunch. And that was Waterdeep or that was Waterdeep, yeah. yeah. 
and then I just continued to write for them, you know, with um, Dragon Wall was next, and then the Part C. And I wrote probably 20 or 22 books for them, including the Dark Sun series. Before uh, Friend, and I guess there's no harm in, in mentioning that, it was Bob Salvatore, mm-hmm. told me, um, hey, you know, Del Rey is doing this, doing some Star Wars stuff, and, you know, if you'd be interested, you should contact them because they know who you are and they know that you have an interest in Star Wars. <laughs> so he, he gave me the contact information and I sent Shelley a, a letter, I think it was at the time, because that, that, even that was so far back that, you know, that it was in the day of dot matrix printers. <laughs> so, so I sent her a letter, you know, saying this is introducing myself and telling her what I'd written and sent her a couple of samples of work. And she got back to me within a few weeks saying, yeah, we're definitely interested. Um, we'll do something with you. And so a month later, nothing had come along and, you know, called her up and said anything. And she said, not yet. <laughs> and then another month later, I called her up and said, anything? And she said, not yet. So I did it one more time. So it was like three months and nothing was happening. And I figured, okay, this just isn't going to happen. And I was working on my next project. And I think I'd written a, another book after that or maybe even two. And then one day she I got a call from her like eight or nine months later saying, okay, we're ready to make an offer. <laughs> I was like, okay, uh-huh. I guess I better write up a, a proposal. And she mm-hmm. said, no, that won't be necessary. We know what we want you to do. Wow. And I said, okay, what do you want me to do? And she said, I can't tell you until you sign the non-disclosure agreement. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so I had to sign the non-disclosure agreement. Basically, we negotiated the, the deal blind. I had no idea what what I was getting into, signed a non-disclosure agreement, and then I got the list of plot points for the New Jedi Order and the Bible and everything, and it was like, holy cow. Yeah. You know, I just had no idea what, because the first book wasn't of the New Jedi Order wasn't out yet at that time, so I had no idea what they were doing and what I was getting involved with. It was pretty exciting. I mean, as soon as I saw the list of plot points and the Bible and what mm-hmm. they wanted, what they wanted my book to be, I knew it was going to be a, a big, big opportunity. Definitely. I mean, even now looking back at, at the New Jedi Order, the, the scope that that series had and kind of the foresight and how that was all planned. Maybe I guess you were given the Bible, but what was that experience like then working from that Bible with such a, a diverse cast of, of authors and also of the characters and plot points that you then had to, to work through star by star, for instance, and then... Yeah, it was an experience. I mean, first of all, it was the first time that they had tried something like that. And they were using a huge cast of, of authors. I mean, they were, you know, nobody was, there was, I think originally like 22 or 23 books mm-hmm. to be included in the series. You know, no no author was going to write more than two or three, I think is what they had decided. So they were, you know, going through authors like you couldn't believe, just burning through them. Um, and you know, Bob was just finishing up Vector Prime when I was starting um, Star by Star. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of lead times that were involved. And everybody who published in between us was still writing. And, uh, you know, I would have to try and accord. We were all trying to coordinate with each other, make sure that the story was, you know, the story in the book that followed Vector Prime was going to um, be the story I expected when it got to Star by Star. So there was. Oh, I don't even want to think about how many <laughs> thousands and thousands, tens of thousands, and maybe even a hundred thousand emails, uh-huh. um, you know, were generated for that project. It was just massive amount of emailing. Yeah, and of course, it's the closer you you worked a lot more closely with the people that were 
closer to your book. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of interesting to, you know, I'd be working like with Matt Stover. We'd we'd be sending emails back and forth, and he'd say, "I want you to do this," and then like a week later, he'd say, "No, I want you to do this." And you know, I'd be going back and forth. Finally, I just said, "Matt, you got to make up your mind." <laughs> Because, you know, he would be, as he was writing, he would have ideas that would occur to him, and he was experimenting and playing with it, and I knew how that, that worked. But um, he was he was very fluid in terms of his own story, So because I had to coordinate with him on what Vigaria was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was quite an experience, and I'm sure I did that to the people that I followed, too, mm-hmm. to a certain extent. I remember Kathy Tyre's book. I had read the outline, mm-hmm. and then um, I think I was... the Star by Star manuscript was 800 pages, and I was about 400 through it when I got Kathy Tyre's um, uh, book in in her final draft, mm-hmm. and saw that holy cow, that that's you know she did everything that she said she was going to do in the outline, but it was all about 15 percent off of what I had expected, <laughs> you know, just just right. between her interpretation of the characters was a little bit different than what I had expected it to be. Mm-hmm. And so I had to go back and redo all my characters in <laughs> <laughs> the first 400 pages of right. of the story, and you know, read kind of angle them in mm-hmm. a different, slightly different way to maintain the continuity. So that was a real learning process. I learned it was a huge learning curve. I know for the editors too, because as, as crazy as it was making, you know, as crazy as it was for each author, they were trying to stay on top of all of the authors. Yeah. And and I don't think that they actually were able to stay informed about all of the communications between the different authors. Right. It just would have been impossible. But they were, you know, in charge of kind of coordinating the final outcome. <laughs> and so, so the, you know, something would come in that was slightly off of what they expected, but the two authors involved had all been in communication and were all fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> then it would have to affect a whole different group of authors. So, and then they have to go. They would have to handle that coordination. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was it was a truly unique product. I don't know if anything's ever been attempted before like that or since. No, um, there really hasn't been. Not in that scope. Yeah. Was the was the plot point to kill Anakin Solo in the Bible when you received it, or was that something that was then kind of workshopped as the process went on? No, no, it was in the Bible from the mm-hmm. beginning. Wow. I mean, I read, I pulled open the the first thing I had was the Bible. I didn't even have Bob's story. So you know, I I opened the Bible and I was reading reading through it and got to the plot points for his story for what became Vector Prime. And uh, I called him up and I said, holy shit, you're killing Chewbacca. <laughs> and he kind of chuckled and said, wait till you see what you have to do. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. So, and I was, so then I flipped right ahead to what I was doing and I was like, now I know why they made me sign the contract before they told me what right, I was going to do. That's so funny. Yeah, I was in shock when I when I realized what what I had to do. Definitely. Um, I mean, it really it raised the stakes. I mean, already Chewbacca, but then you know the emotional toll that took on the the Solo family really 
really took oh, that yeah. turn in Star by Star. So, um, well, I would love to to move to some of the other Star Wars books you did just briefly. Um, I, while I, I would really like to focus on Dark Ness, one of the ones that that pops up right before that is one of my just personal favorites. So, just a one off, the Tatooine Ghost story that you did, if only because that was a very tangible connection back to the prequels. Leia kind of coming to terms with her father and like pod racing and Kitster. What was that like, and what was that um, process of writing that story like? It was it was interesting. It was. Every time I worked with Del Rey and, and Lucasfilm on a project, what they gave me at the beginning was a, was a little bit different for each project. And in this one, they just basically called me up and said, we'd like you to write another Star Wars book. So that was my second one. And um, we would like you to tell the story of Leia coming to know her mother through her video diaries, or through her diaries. They didn't even say video. And, um, and I thought, oh, so I literally asked him, I said, okay, you know, do know that you're talking to the guy who wrote Star by Star, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it was more about the relationships between these two characters than the plot, you know, than an action plot. Um, and I, I hadn't ever really written anything like that before. So that was a book where I kind of learned to develop people's emotions as, you know, as part of the Use the, use the emotional development as part of the plot rather than than uh, you know the physical action of you know the a battle or a war or whatever. You know, this was just Leia coming to terms with who she was and who her parents were. Uh, and and then with the Darkness trilogy, that was instead of like New Jedi Order, where you came in and did an, an entry into a, a series. That was your trilogy. What was kind of your thought process of, of shaping that entire story? And then how did you kind of go about peppering that entire story through three books? Well, that was that one was a lot of fun because they just called me up and said we would like you to write an, a set of three books set you know shortly after the New Jedi Order, and that was it. <laughs> and I. And I and I said, okay. And I, I had just been reading, um, I think it was Macquarie's book, you know, with the Coruscant and the Kellex on, um, you're just looking at his art, mm-hmm. um, the Kellex, or the, the abandoned civilization on um, Leia's home planet, Alderaan, before it was destroyed. And I was like, this whole abandoned civilization was really intriguing to me. And so I said, and I have a, I have a theory of my own, you know, in terms of, if you look around at the world, really, who is who is the dominant species? And you, you know, like for instance, I live on a on a house that has about four acres in the woods, and there's two people on it. Um, probably in any given time, half a dozen deer, probably thirty or forty birds, and about a million insects. <laughs> so, so I thought to myself, I, you know, I've always had this theory: is like, you know, really, humanity isn't the dominant form of life on the planet it's insects really are i wanted to kind of write a story about that mm-hmm. so when they gave me the chance i said can it be about bugs <laughs> and, and they they kind of got this little silence and said well are there going to be jedi in it and i said sure we can have jedi <laughs> yeah, not? and then yeah. they said well okay yeah then i guess it can be about bugs and so i wrote an outline about for what became the darkness trilogy which i really enjoyed writing i mean that Definitely. was a lot of fun and it was you know, quite a risk. Mm-hmm. I was impressed that they let me do the things I wanted to do with it, but they, they gave me pretty much a blank outline and just said, do what you want to, and, and they, they let me do it, so it was really fun. Very, very cool. Uh, I, I guess moving moving through your bibliography, because you've written so much, and I mean so much Star Wars, especially with both Legacy of the Force and Fate of the Jedi, was that a similar process for both of those as with New Jedi Order? I know that it was a fewer amount of authors 
doing a, a long-standing story, but what was kind of the lessons you learned from Star by Star, and how did you kind of apply them, you know, moving into those? Well, they, the first lessons were the lessons that the um, editors learned, which was they didn't want to work with so many authors. <laughs> Mm-hmm. They figured that you know we could handle that they could handle having um, uh, three authors work in a in a rotating sequence, and because I was currently at the time that they um, decided to do that, they sent me a note. I think Shelley sent me a note on one Sunday and said, "We want to do a new trilogy or a new series of nine books with three authors. We don't really have an idea yet." and and I said, because I was just finishing up the third book of Dark Nest, I said, I do. <laughs> so so I sat down and wrote up my proposal for it in about two hours on that Sunday night, sent it in. And by Tuesday, we had uh, the whole deal was um, set. You know, they said, okay, yeah, we're going to do that. And basically, I wrote, you know, the story of like the, of Jason's, Vergari's uh, being a secret Sith and all that. So they kind of... Because I was already kind of writing Jason's story of having to come to terms with his own dark side in the in the darkness. We yeah, we wrote that up. We wrote that up, and they said, "Yeah, that's that's what we're gonna do." And then, <laughs> then we were. I think they at that time they knew that they wanted Aaron to to be one of the writers, and I think they were looking at Karen. Um, I didn't know who Karen was at that time, mm-hmm. but then they she was the third one they brought in. Basically, they had us come out come out to <clears throat> I think it was Big Rock the time they had us come out to the new ranch and uh, do a, a story conference and so forth then we would you know we were going to do a lot of conventions and stuff and every time we'd go to a convention we'd have another story conference to kind of address where things were so that's pretty much how that one how that one came to be i mean i love especially the final one of of legacy of the force invincible right the the final stand of, of darth cadis especially and and we actually just talked to kevin j anderson i remember that one um kind of had the jokes from Young Jedi Knights in it kind of telling this full story of, of Jason and his his fall and it kind of created this emotional kind of final stand of, of who Jason Solo was which I, I really enjoyed yeah I, I that was I when I was writing that I had um, two things that I really needed to accomplish and both the, and they were kind of at odds is one you know Jaina just had to be super focused on the job she was undertaking and on um, executing her mission so I couldn't have her you know sitting there thinking about her brother and all of the good times they had together. Um, you know, she just had to be motivated and, and focused on, on killing him or stopping him. But at the same time, I had to bring in that undertone to remind the readers that, you know, this is um, a woman killing her, her brother. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I, the only way I could think of to do it, and I loved um, Kevin and, and Rebecca's series of, you know, the Young Jedi Knights. I just love those books. So I did, the only thing I could think of to do was to, kind of harken back to that and, and quote those the jokes that Kit Jason told as a corny young kid and have those start the chapter. I think it worked pretty well for the people who actually read the jokes and especially for the people who knew where they came from. But I think some people kind of skipped the jokes. They just started reading it straight into the, the text and I don't think they got kind of the emotional resonance that um, I was trying for. 
So, but I still think I'd do it the same way again. I think I just don't think there was any other way to do it. Well, I guess the the final book on your your Star Wars bibliography, and also one of the final ones ever for that era of the expanded universe, was Crucible. And Crucible, in my opinion, kind of did the same thing almost um, that Force Awakens did, right? Which was trying to set a stage for a new group of heroes and letting Luke, Leia, and Han kind of at least in some sense retire from from the main storylines. What was your yeah. process there, and how did you then see the story continue? I know, I mean, I'm sure you can't still talk about it. I know you had a trilogy planned after that, but what um, yeah. What was the initial thought for Crucible, at least? Um, well, as we were finishing up Apocalypse, Shelley and I were talking, you know, about what comes next and, and um, you know, where are we going to go. And, and I think we had all come, everybody in Sue, too, had come to the realization or the, the, the decision that we didn't want to do another big political story, you know, where the politics drove a war. And we just, it, because that is basically what we had done for two, two series beforehand. And we didn't want to get old. And at the same time, you know, the characters were getting old. <laughs> Um, you know, Han was in his seventies and, and we just were thinking, you know, it's time to kind of come up with a new air, a new generation. Mm. So we decided that we're going to try to use Crucible to be a transition, a passing of the torch kind of, mm-hmm. of story. Then we weren't really retiring the characters, um, because we didn't want to like get rid of them. We just wanted to bring new characters into the forefront. So the idea was to set up the the expanded universe so that it could be have a lot of different kinds of stories you know i mean it, from where it was going you you could see that it would be great for having like pirate stories and for for having spy stories and you know just all kinds of different things um so that it wouldn't be always just this big oh there's a new dictator in town and we right. got to deal with her right. you know kind of kind of thing um, so, and I think that, and the stories that they had planned were really great. I mean, the, the sword of the Jedi, um, was just phenomenal. It was going to be a phenomenal series and, and the reception when they announced it at the convention uh, was just, I mean, they about blew the roof off of the auditorium because yeah, people were so primed for, you know, seeing Jaina's, um, story. And then of course I had an, I would have going to do a, a trilogy that would have followed that. And I can't really talk about what right. that would have been. Um, but it was cool too. It, it was it was really cool too. Your your time in the, in the Star Wars galaxy, you know, spans probably about twenty years of of the actual novels, and then kind of what it established, starting with New Jedi Order, and then all these event series was was this kind of look at at Luke and Leia and Han as as heroes and as people that were very involved, and that's why I liked Crucible as kind of like a, a nice cap even to this Del Rey expanded universe that then ended. So um, Crucible always yeah. kind of has a nice little place in my heart for that. Yeah, but yeah, we didn't know when we started that book. Of course, we didn't know right. what was going on, and I was, gosh, I think I was like eighty percent through the book when, mm-hmm. when the through drafting the book when the word came down that Lucasfilm had been bought and they were going to do a new set of stories, and I was like, okay, uh, what does this mean for the book? And right. everybody kept trying to find out, and, and nobody could had any answers at that time, and so we <laughs> just said, well, okay, I guess we finish the book according to plan, and yeah. and hope it comes out, and yeah. so. That's why. You know, if I'd have known that they were going to cancel the e- e- expanded universe, mm-hmm. I think that the ending of the book would have been very different than, mm-hmm. it, than it is, because the, the book was really written to be a passing of the torch right. story, you know, and it ended up just by 
circumstance and being the cap mm-hmm. of the whole series and that it would have been a lot different story if i'd have known that that was going to be in the works i mean i do kind of like it it's kind of a poetic ending now where as you mentioned there are these kind of story setups for things that you know probably will not see the light of day anymore but it is fun to imagine you know what those stories yeah. are so i think in that sense it is kind of a nice cap to everything yeah yeah there was there was <laughs> that book's purpose was to set up a million stories <laughs> And it really isn't that what Star Wars is all about, so. <laughs> yeah. What have you been working on, and, and how can fans now read what you've been working on in a non-Star Wars capacity, especially ones like me who who love your writing style and love what you bring to any universe? Yeah, well, I am writing now for Halo and just having a blast. It's also space opera. Um, it's just space opera without the Force. Um, <laughs> and, you know, with basically space marines. So I've written what now, four books for that. Um, my first two involve kind of mysteries, detective, detective spy stories involving a character named Veda Lopez, who is a typical homicide detective who hates the UNSC and hates Spartans and gets assigned to work with them <laughs> and, and has a, quite a character arc coming to terms with learning exactly who Spartans are and who the real bad guys are in, in the galaxy. That was a, bl- a blast, and that, that one was Last Light, and Retribution was the s- sequel. She kind of becomes a den mother to a bunch of Spartan threes, <laughs> so young kids who she doesn't realize how young the kids are until she sees them with their helmets off, and then she realizes, yeah, these, these, these are just kids. Mm-hmm. There's that one. Then I wrote Silent Storm, which is set very early, right after the Covenant invades um, human territory in the galaxy. And it's a story of John um, 117 learning, you know, basically it's the first time regular, the ODSTs, the, the space marines encounter Spartans. Mm-hmm. And they don't think too much of them at the time, especially when they find out how young they are, because they're 15 in the story. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so, and that's that was just a blast to write that. The next book that's coming out as a sequel in that is, is it's, a, it's not a sequel in the sense that it's part of the same story. It's just mm-hmm. the book that follows Silent Storm. It's also, it's set a few months later, and it's also with John and Blue Team. And that one's called Oblivion, and it releases on September 24th. Love it. Yeah, so there's plenty of space opera out there that I'm still writing. Right. It's just a different just a, different property. In the Halo. Yeah, different property. A little bit different feel, but still very much space opera. Yeah, definitely. And I, I, I love writing for it. It's it's a lot of fun. Well, Mr. Denning, uh, thank you so much for, for coming on and answering all of my, my really nerdy, in-depth questions. But um, I, I loved your, your writing on Star Wars, and I hope one day we, we see you return back to, to a galaxy far, far away. Yeah, well, it would be fun. We'll just have to see what happens. Right. Where it goes. <laughs> Earl, thanks for having me. Yeah, of um, course. It was a pleasure. Again, I want to thank Mr. Denning for his time and thoughtfulness while answering my incredibly nerdy questions about the EU that I grew up reading meant so much. For more information about his upcoming novels and latest appearances, follow him on Twitter at T. Denning Author. His upcoming Halo book, Oblivion, is coming out this fall, and I've put a link to the pre-order in the show notes. Next week, I'm flying out from Texas to LA for just one day to attend the Academy's panel on making Star Wars, featuring Ben Burt and Marsha Lucas in person, so just say a prayer for me. And until next time, stay tuned, leave a five-star review, and may the Force be with you. 